Hi there! I'm Missy Information. On August 1st, I was challenged by Alice Lee of the Bat Month podcast to watch the film Twilight, four minutes every day during the entirety of the month. I decided to do it, because who am I to say no to someone on the internet? And thus began Twagust. Greetings, fellow Twoggies who made it to the end of the first week of Twagust, and welcome newcomers who have started listening thanks to this recap of the first week. I'm Missy Information, and I am very excited to bring you along with me on this journey that has began from a simple tweet by Alice Lee asking if I had seen Twilight. The answer was no, and thus all of this began. It's been a really interesting journey into the first 28 minutes of this film. You can listen to all the daily episodes where I listen four minutes at a time if you want, or you can listen to this recap and get a sense of what I've been watching, seeing, thoughts that have been in my head as I tell it to my dear friend, Des Moines actor and playwright, Adam Bielgard. Now this episode takes place outside of the daily episodes. I'm not going to be referring that much to things that I said or questioned during the daily episodes themselves. It really is just a recap of the first 28 minutes as told in a oral history sort of way to my friend Adam. So you can listen to this episode without having listened to the first seven, but I do encourage you to go back and listen to them because there are some very interesting revelations, and especially day seven, which is when we have, as you'll hear in this episode, the turn, where I physically and viscerally reacted to what was happening on screen in a way that has changed how I'm going to be watching the last hour and a half of this film over the rest of the month. So take a listen to that and take a listen now to our interview with Adam Bielgard. Of course, this is all home recording. We're not professionals, so there could be some slight audio things. I noticed that I have a stupid squeaky chair, apparently, that was going throughout it. My apologies on that, but thankfully the content within overpowers any audio mess. So tune in and enjoy this recap of week one of my journey with Twagust. I am here with my special guest, Des Moines playwright and actor Adam Bielgard. Insert applaudience noise for Adam. Huzzah! Ooh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, applaudience is that a portmanteau? Applaudience. There it is. It's a very, uh, as Paul F. Tompkins would say, a clumsy portmanteau, but it works pretty well. I mean, Twagast in of itself obviously is even clumsier to try and get off the tongue, so I'm surprised that I've been able to just adapt to saying it so trippingly yeah as it were. what's weird though is i don't understand the relationship between twinks and august but i'm here so. <laughs> you know me i can't just get those twinks out of my head so welcome to the show i'm really glad that you're here because talking to you earlier today you and i have a similar level of knowledge of the twilight saga in series in that <laughs> we were both around when it happened but neither one of us have seen the films, read the books, or paid Mm-mm. that much attention apart from just the memes that came through. Absolutely. Yeah, what do you remember at the time that got through? Like, what leaked through to you of, of Twilight? I Okay, I had a negative interest in the franchise, the books, the movie. Like, I went out of my way not to look at stuff 
um, in talking with you, I realized you said something about a bombshell, which I am curious because either I am not in any way, shape, or form aware of how this series ends, or I've buried that. For me, my bombshell revelation that I've had is how this this begins, because I know I've known how the franchise ends, because similar to as you said, I, I would think I'd have a negative interest in it as well. It just was not not my thing. I'm not a a vampire horror mm. monster supernatural kind of person as is. I knew this was a romance, and neither is this movie. Yes, exactly. That is the part that I am learning, which I I knew that it was mostly romance. Like I'm not trying. I wasn't so much under shell that I thought this movie wasn't what it was, but I'm not. I didn't quite realize how much of, like, all of the beats and setups really are just, like, a typical coming-of-age mm-hmm. high school drama yep. where it is a love interest. It's like we got some Romeo and Juliet sort of beat setups just without, you know, warring parents. The warring parents of society, you know, versus the vampires, I'm assuming, because we <laughs> haven't gotten to the vampire society yet. In the first 30 minutes of this movie, we have established uh, our two leads. We have met uh, Team Edward in the flesh, and we've met <laughs> Team Bella. And Oh, but she's not a team. Have, I would, that's true. Well, we've also met Team Jacob, mm-hmm. uh, whose hair is about as long as mine. But we haven't really built world building into the vampire part. It's set in, like, our world. That's the thing I was trying to figure out when I was first watching it was, like, this an alternate reality where it's, like, oh, like, for instance, there was a Southwest Airlines thing. So it's, like, okay, we're in our reality. It's not, like, oh, they were flying on Northeast Airline and they were trying to play that (laughs) off as its own brand kind of thing. So, yeah, so it is interesting knowing that this has a, a, a big following and feeling as though at the moment it is, how can I just have a typical teen drama and what's the little twist flavor of the moment? And vampire supernatural stuff is always coming in and out of vogue and that's where it was landing. What was your understanding of the appeal at the time? And also let's dive a little bit more into that negative interest that you had for it and what was fueling that. To start there and work backwards, it seemed way too, I I don't know how you get below the common denominator, but it was, I mean, it, that's that's what it was. It was, I know my audience, and I'm going to give them exactly what they want because that's what drives them crazy. And that's what she did. Uh, Stephanie Myers, the, uh, the hot Mormon chick, as Jack Black puts it, she knows what she's doing. I mean, it's, it's trite. It's predictable. It's lowest common denominator. And whenever I see throngs of screaming tweens, I turn step and go the other way. True. I forget you're, because you are about 10 years older than I am. 
So there is that generation gap of Gen X versus millennial. Now everybody knows. Well, I just you know I'm an elder millennial. Oh yeah, that's true. You are an elder millennial. You didn't. Quite, you're not quite Gen X. Um. So, but there's a time gap in the sense of you were that much further removed from where when yeah. it came out because 2008. Yeah. That was my freshman year of college. So I also oh, was aged out of yeah right. So that that reaction would have made the statement even if I hadn't <laughs> of the gap there. Um. And so I was aged out of it as well as mm-hmm. enjoyed Harry Potter, not like a Potterhead to where I would be embarrassed about my level of interest in it. But it was one of those things where it's like, okay, if I'm going to read or get interested in a world of these two, that's just the one I'm going to lean on. And I know they're not one-for-one comparisons. Don't come at me in the comments. It's, it was just at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? At the time, it was sort of the broad divide in a sense of you felt like those were two different camps that kind of went in there. Yeah, and I mean it was, but at the same time you had far more peers interested in the Twilight Saga. I can't think of anybody and I mean I'm talking about like female friends included. So there's another generational gap is we're my my age group is kind of the middling because there's a Speaking of memes, there was a meme of a bunch of, at the time, again, this was the 2008 to 2011 or whenever the the span of the movies was released, 40-something-year-old women going nuts at a premiere for this movie. And the caption was, if this was a bunch of middle-aged men screaming for actors playing teenage girls the fbi would be involved <laughs> i did check to make sure edward oh, i keep saying edward robert patterson uh bobby pats is mm-hmm. alice lee the uh bat month podcast host who challenged me on this dream big edward calls him uh as well bobby as Kristen pats. stewart both were of age oh yeah when this movie came out so there was that at least where they weren't trying to push he's like, like as old as you teach. yeah he isn't he He's a little older than little I am. I, did, I try not to look up too much information, but I did. I he's wanted like to know 32. just for the context of like how old were they? He's thirty six. Thirty six. Yes, eighty six. Wow. So, so he's he was older 20, than my, my brother. He was twenty two mm-hmm. when he made the film. So that's not mm-hmm. so far removed from high school. And Kristen Stewart was eighteen mm-hmm. um, when it came out now i don't know when it was filmed so again it's one of those things where it's still on that line of she i mean so far she's not like overtly sexualized in no. fact this movie is not very no. sexual it is it heavily tries to be sensual and uh, spoiler alert fails in a way in my <laughs> opinion which is hilarious but it is not something where I just wanted to know, like, okay, if we're going to comment on that, the fact that, you know, what is sensuality versus sexuality and how this displays it, I just was like, well, I want to make sure that's cool and we're not, like, veering into this weird area where, again, Hollywood does that all the time where they cast people who are underage and then just put them out there in, again, sensual or sexual mm-hmm. context and you're just sort of, like, expected to take it and not think about the fact that these are people behind there because it is just so casual. Do we need to take a know, second and stuff. For, your, for your listeners, do we need to take a second and go over the difference between pedophilia and ephebophilia i don't really know the difference myself between the two of them and i probably don't want to getting the word groomer thrown at me a bunch these days i mean obviously specifically the broadness yeah out there it's just probably like one or two steps too far removed for me to go into but again that was something too where i thought about where it's like well these are 
high schoolers they are. that were the characters. being talked about as well. Which, again, the tweens and everything, if that's in your era, you know, I'm sure that I had, like, just stray thoughts about, like, oh, Hogwarts, what would it like to be a student? And you get to snog them all the time, like they talk about in the books. Um <laughs> You know, but like as you said, forty-year-old uh, women going crazy over this in a phenomenon where it was something where, yeah, it's this. Oh my God, it's Edward, and that was a part of the thesis of this podcast, which was why Robert Patterson, why Bobby Pats, uh, when listening to the Bat Month podcast <laughs> of which it was the the same conceit I'm sort of doing here with Twagist chunks of the Batman film. Uh, done and I just made the straight comment that I I didn't really get Robert Pattinson's appeal that led to me not, or uh, that led to the revelation that I had not seen Twilight oh. which led to this so that is also part of why I'm watching this is to understand it and so far I don't understand it because he's <laughs> he's just like gawky and and awkward and hasn't grown in to his face like a 22 year old person hasn't you know like. I'm trying to think of, of of myself back then um, in my very severely closeted um, but still knew I was interested in guys on some sort of, you know, aesthetic level, we'll just say. Um, would I have been attracted to him or not? And I was not unattracted to Daniel Radcliffe, so that's maybe more of the frame of reference okay. of, of there. But I never remember... Um, I never remember being like, Woof, rub, wah, wah, you know, with I picture you as more Robert of Patterson. a Malfoy kind of guy. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right on that. Prob- that's probably, yeah, you know, well, between the two of those, yes. If we're going nowadays, though, oh, I no. mean, Neville Longbottom? Wah, that was a blow-up. We're cutting that out. Not cutting that out. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and actually get going with the recap because I think the more we talk about the beats here and the more that's going to be coming out as well as I I just need to get this coming out of my head now because I'm just starting to just see images from the film and and it's it, 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 for something that I had, again, like you, I would say a negative interest in to suddenly be thrust into the deep of it mm-hmm. is fascinating. Twilight. Twagist recap from the top. We open the film Lionsgate Summit Entertainment logo. Wham bam. Then we cut to a deer. How every good movie starts with just a shot of a of a wild animal, and the deer is then stalked and chased by what I assume is a vampire because it was a person. It wasn't you know just like something obfuscated. Jumps in the deer, kills it. That has not come back in for the last twenty minutes. By the way, <laughs> so it's not it's not Chekhov's deer. It's not Chekhov's deer yet. It's probably it's Chekhov's. So it's 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 Schrodinger's Chekhov's deer. It's Schrodinger's Chekhov's deer, very much so. Um, so that was sort of the first moment. So it tricks you because you think, oh, some action. This is spooky, scary, huh? Things jumping out of there. Then we cut to, um, it is. Bella and her mom and sister, and Bella is packing all her things, moving, flying on that aforementioned uh, Southwest Airline flight to Forks, Washington. So they went from the desert to the rainy uh, mountains, 
both of which are much more interesting landscapes than what we have here in Iowa. Yes. So between the two things of her sort of like feeling like, oh, where do I want to live between this? It's like, hey, you're going with a good deal on either way. Now, she's moving from her mom to be with her dad. I do not remember or did not necessarily pick up if there was a specific reason. She said that her mom was going around later in the film. She said her mom was going around with, I think, her brother. It was her her brother or stepdad or someone because they were involved in baseball. And so that was why she was going to be staying there. Now, I don't know if that's a lie or not. <laughs> that is just what she said. Because uh, here's something that, again, spoiler alert, there's a lot of lying happening to begin with for this relationship. She's now there living with her dad uh, in this town where they are familiar with her. Because, uh, in fact, um, when Team Jacob shows up, they have a conversation. And without remembering all the details, it was clear that they knew each other and that um, both of their fathers knew each other. Her dad is the sheriff of this town, which I'm sure will not come into play at all later on in the film. This is now when we get to the new school drama aspect of which is the main beat so far. It is. It could very much be a sort of one-for-one one like Mean Girls opening where it's, oh, where are you from? I'm homeschooled, except where are you from? I'm from Arizona. Ooh. <laughs> um, and she gets mixed in with the new crowd that are like, the quirky individualist personality people and then we're seeing sort of cast off on the other side instead of like the bullies or the popular kids can you guess what other group of individuals might be paired up that were shown as a contrast the hot goths Ooh, you are right on half of that because the word hot may not necessarily be applicable to these people <laughs> Okay. Uh, not not in a not in a negative way of that they are, you know, grosses or anything. It is just the I have made the comment earlier, uh, in an episode that the makeup budget must be lots of invoices for the palest shade of Ben Nye makeup that they have available, because it is doing <laughs> heavy lifting on these these folks. It's wild. Did they rob a morgue? Honestly, they could have. And the here's so here's think of that morgue part. Keep that in the back of your head. We're not okay. going to visit a morgue, but there's going to be a weird way. It's going to kind of connect back. So there's a lot of setup for who it will come sort of the circle. ancillary characters on. It will come a bit. It will maybe come a bit more like we will beat it to death an and bring back spheroid? from the dead. Yes, there it is. Oh, like the um, Earth's orbit. Gotcha. Bam. So now, um, a little bit muddily because I know it's it's high school stuff. Uh, again, I commented me before being homeschooled. I just can't relate to that part of the aspect. Oh, but you of went it. to Central Campus for a bit. Yeah, I took some classes when I was in high school, but like I didn't. Ha- I didn't. Okay, there were cafeteria scenes. I didn't go sit in a cafeteria. You know, so okay. there wasn't that weird where it's like, but you, oh, so the lines get drawn. But the and thing like is, yeah, but the thing is, you saw, you saw the clicks. You just didn't get sorted by the hat. 
I saw the clicks, but because that was classes where people were coming from all sorts of different types of schools, there weren't the, like, clicks of people seeing each other every day. I saw more clicks in, like, my church or my youth group. That's where it uh. was. So I, I knew of what it was, but I just never really, again, there weren't kind of the one-for-ones because I wasn't seeing these people every day. I was seeing my family every day, but my brother and sister never kicked a chair out from underneath <laughs> me, unlike one of the kids in this, you know. Um, so then she goes to her chemistry class. And in a beat that could be taken from an SNL sketch, she walks into the room. Behind her, there's a fan, and it's blowing. So when she turns and sees Edward from across the room with his moody, disinterested stare, he sees her, and her hair is literally blowing and flowing behind her like a parody beat from a romantic meet cue <laughs> that they wrote that in there that it wasn't just him seeing stars her hair was actually flowing like she was the model of an 80s rock video it was that exact beat and it almost makes me wonder did the director know what he was doing <laughs> and i who think who was the director must, someone on there must have you know, I haven't looked it up. Uh, okay. I'm going to give myself a chance to to look up some facts. That's going to be one of the ones that I will do here. Okay. I'm curious. I I don't know if it's a known name, like if they've done other stuff, or if they just went on to do Human Centipede. Oh my, so I have to show my sexism here. I said he. It is a she. Catherine Hardwick. Someone who I'm not familiar with by name no the name doesn't hit me their directorial works include the teen drama 13 oh okay the movie lords of dogtown which i oh, have heard of that was good wait 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 wait. that wasn't a movie that well i mean it was a documentary it's a biographical drama film which i'm guessing may, must have been based off the documentary oh that could have been it's about the skateboarders right yes yeah um, the Nativity Story, the one starring the gal from The Whale Rider, uh, Twilight. Okay. And then after that, uh, Red Riding Hood, the, like, dark remake one with, I believe, Amanda Siegfried. And then from there, just not only a couple... Well, I mean, where do you go after Twilight? That's, you peaked. That's true, but I'm, they had sequels and they didn't bring her back for it. She only did the first she one. She only did the first one. She didn't do the whole series. She oh. only did Twilight. She won a Young Hollywood Award for it, but it's her only film of the series. Wild. Yeah. The plot thickens. This is now introducing a concept that I have become fascinated in this film, which is eye contact, lack thereof, and faces. There is face work that's going on in here which can be described as mini kabuki theater because <laughs> it is it is the most expressive while also somehow being underplayed like there's actual th there was a moment where bella bit the bottom of her lip but she wasn't just biting the bottom of her lip it was like i am biting the bottom of my lip somehow in a way where it was so noticeable that I just got lost in someone had to make a decision that this yes this moment is what I want on film to display her attraction for this pale pasty <laughs> kid like it is fascinating uh -huh. 
it, it is it is visually fascinating in that regard. They then have the most awkward time where it is 30 seconds of her looking at him, him looking away, then him looking at her, her looking away, and then that sort of back and forth while the teacher is just getting them set up, and then them like shuffling on the experiment who should go to a time where he actually says the phrase ladies first, which I I don't know where we're at in terms of feminism and the rotation of if that is okay or not okay, but it did just stick out to me of a way where it, the way he did it seemed very passive aggressive <laughs> and sexist somehow. Now, how much of this so far sounds like what you would expect from what oh, you know boy. of Twilight? Um, We're reaching about the halfway point of this first half hour. Like, I, this is the first 15 minutes of the film. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was it? 15 minutes? That's 15 minutes. Because we're going to be at a turning point, so I just want to set up and make sure we're okay with where we're that at That feels so a little better. I thought we had made it farther into the film, and I was going to say, this is moving slowly. But if this is only 15 minutes, then we're good. The almost breaking fourth wall to put a fan on her uh, you know that winking at the camera like oh look what we did that seems out of place to me it was a very out of place moment because well you and you mentioned the the lip biting like if a woman bites her lip it means she's interested but if you're drawn to the fact that she is like really making a verb out of biting her lip you're just like okay it's not it's not a subconscious thing that she's doing like when a cat's pupils dilate it she is biting her lip and it's like that seems out of place too but the fan more so i'm surprised by yeah, that it, 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 it's there's not a lot of comedy in this this isn't one of those things where it fit because oh we're we're playing in the tongue-in-cheek. Is there any comedy? I mean, there's the light comedy I get peaks and valleys. Social awkwardness? Because it can't just be... Okay, because it can't be teenage angst wall-to-wall, but at the same time, like, I'm trying to picture levity in this film, and I just... There's levity up until I'm this point. coming up empty. It's not... It's not the heaviest of, like... I mean, everything in this is very tepid. That's the weird thing about it. The sensuality is very, Mm. like, there's a sort of trepidation about it. And again, uh, thankfully, because they're high school students, so that's not something where I want to see these, these, (laughs) like, high schoolers going at it. But it... Ain't nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. But it was just weird of how like overtly innocuous innocuous in a way where I would think this was maybe like Disney so far because of the non-tension tension that's in it, but it's not. So it, it just is a very, uh, again, uh, trying to understand this in the context of the appeal that one of the main actors has, it hasn't delivered so far. Now, maybe it will. And well, Maybe part of that is, you know, Stephanie Myers is Mormon. Maybe that's like the uh, why everything is so muted. That could be. I've never. I, 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 I'm sort of taking this as a film in of itself and not trying to apply too much outside context 
to it to to so I'm I'm sort of letting the film tell me what is about including it, including the books it was based on. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know that much books. So, <laughs> but but here's the thing: is okay. but no, but what I'm saying is is that while she wrote the books and everything, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that when it's being adapted and translated onto screen that they're going to follow these same rules. But it is an interesting fair. It, but it is an interesting point when we are talking about the context of the source material from it's pulling from. I just I'm just saying I. I have not thought about that aspect of it yet. But, I mean, at the same time, you, you're you not... I mean, you are and you aren't honor-bound by certain things if you're going to adapt a book. You, there are certain things that you have to keep. But the other thing, too, is even if you use creative licensing to go and pull the tether, and let's just say, I don't know, whatever the, the limits on what you can and can't change are, let's just say it's 18%. How you would quantify that not my department, but if you're pushing 18% difference between the book and the movie, why make it about the book at all? You're going to lose the fandom. You're going to, all these, all the people are going to say is, I know people are like, oh, this is nothing like the book, but that's usually hyperbole. They just, it's nothing like how it was in my head is what they mean. So we cut to another action scene that tricks us into thinking that there's going to be more action than what there is where a security guard at an industrial facility, which is like a logging facility or something like that, is jumped and attacked by what, again, we can assume are three vampires. That has still not yet been revealed within this first half hour. But we have our first human kill. Now things are getting interesting. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Now, how many? By the time this next fifteen minutes are done, what do you expect the body count to be? I'm gonna say two: the deer and the. You are absolutely correct. Those are the only two (laughs) things that have happened so far in that regard. Because remember, this is still a a high school drama. Right. We are now back at the classroom. We are back at the school. Another chemistry uh, assignment again. There's an entire one of the subplots is a chemistry class that they're having together. It's the classic. Beat of how do we get our couple to get in there? They have a moment where Bella asks Edward where he's been. And Edward was like, I I left for a bit. And she's like, okay, why did your eye color change? To which I then said, his eye color changed? <laughs> what? Apparently at some point his eyes went from darker brown to a lighter amber brown. Which I'm wondering had something to do with the security guard that just got jumped, question mark? So they're implying he did it and that drinking blood makes his eyes change color? I don't know if the movie's implying it. That is what I have inferred from it with no other context whatsoever. Now, okay, some things happen pretty rapidly here within the last last two episodes so it would be the last eight minutes of what we've had i'm gonna very quickly wrap it up because this happens boom 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 okay so just get yourself strapped in like the driver of the van that starts careening toward bella in their school parking lot it slides apropos of nothing it appears this vehicle just lost control and it's going right toward her now who should go in and save her take a guess Jacob. You are so close. Edward comes in, and he comes in at super speed. 
And you think, oh, does he get her out of the way? Does he push her? What does he do? He sticks out his hand, stops the van in its track, dents it, doesn't have a scratch, looks at her in the eye, and is like, you okay? And she's like, yeah, because you just saved me by putting your hand out and stopping a van. They get her to the hospital, and this is where we have a couple turns that are leaving me with the questions where we're at now going through the rest of the film here. The first of which is the doctor that is examining Bella is clearly a vampire. How do they establish that? How is it clear? It's clear from Ben Nye white makeup, number one. Okay. And amber contact lens slash digital enhancement, number two. Okay, so the, those are the, the pale... Those are the, it is the paleness and the eye color are okay. the only visual. That's just visual. There's not a sort of like. There's nothing else that that has given me that. But I, you, I can just look at these and tell. It's 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 Edward. It's the other students and it's this doctor. It's been established at this point that if you're pasty, and you have those amber eyes, you're a vampire. Yes, that has been established. Okay. And the doctor's examining Bella. She then, I mean, she's like, it's just scratches. Like that's the thing is that she really isn't her, and that's kind of what they were talking about. She then. Leaves the hospital room, or doctor's room. I'm not sure if they're at a hospital, but she leaves that room. The doctor, Edward, and I believe a female who's also one of the students are talking. And they say something on the regards of, you're going to blow our cover, kind of thing. I don't remember the exact words. And so, Bella sees this. And the other two leave. Edward comes over. Bella and her are talking. And he says, "This is now. This is the last episode, and I and my brain is so full, and already just like all the information about Twilight that I've leaked out is stuff that I had no clue of so far. So I'm I'm now struggling to retain the specifics of what was said. But it was essentially, he said, she asked, "How did you stop that?" And he said, "What do you mean?" I, you know, I just, you got out of the way. She said, you came from across the parking lot and stopped that car. He's basically like, no, I didn't. She said, yeah, you did. Gaslighting her. He said, you are confused. He literally tells her, you are confused. The man tells the woman she did not experience the things that she definitely experienced. As you said the words, I would... Don't think I'm using it incorrectly. That is classic gaslighting. Absolutely. That is how this relationship, this admired cinematic relationship starts. I was not okay with it. It, uh, (laughs) If you get a chance, uh, because I just released and recorded that episode before we started talking here, so you wouldn't have had a chance to listen to it again. You need to listen to my reaction because the turn... It's like it's like the turn in the prestige where you're all sudden like, oh, this is what we're doing? This is what's happening? Except I like the prestige. He gaslights her. <laughs> they then meet up again the next day. She's been asked out by now a second one of her peers to like the homecoming dance. Huh. And for what I think is the second or third time in this movie, from across the parking lot, Bella and Edward are staring at each other. <laughs> While they are then then staring, the teacher's like, all right, we've got to go do our study field trip thing. And that's where we're at, where we are in a greenhouse with 
compost water. A glass full of water that he took from a compost that he just poured out. And then we had to have the joke in the back. Again, the lightheartedness, there are some jokes where the teacher's like, don't drink it. Mm. That's a joke. And Edward is still actively gaslighting her and getting upset at her for insisting. And I believe also said at some point, let's just agree to forget about this and move on. He wants her to move on from the fact that he stopped a vehicle with his bare hand. Right. That's where we're beginning. That's this first almost half hour. That's the beginning of of Team Edward and Team Jacob relationship. I I now probably understand a little bit better the fact that there is a Team Jacob. And I know it's because it's literally built in the plot and she has to decide like I I know that is that's not something that people were like conjuring up. Right. But so far, I, I'm i team not Edward, at <laughs> least. Well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And I don't have a further understanding of why Robert Patterson, either. And I would just like to say, since you brought that up, uh, I'm going to do one better to Saddest Alice 69, and I'm going to call him Bopa. Bopa, oh beautiful for sure oh beautiful Bopa. i just make it really, even shorter I, okay so so Bopa. Bopa. i'm not sure why Bopa yet but we will see if Bopa later <laughs> we will and maybe and maybe you might change your mind maybe maybe Bopa redeems himself maybe jacob is worse I mean, if we're playing lesser of two evils, poor Bella. <laughs> but so far, she's enamored. Oh, the other thing I didn't mention, there was a moment where, just after the, the, the moment where he gaslit her, is her in her bedroom, and she's like... Uh, I was going to say the word roaching around in her sleep, but I realized that's... We've come to learn this is one of those familiar ter- familial terms where we say as a family, but I don't think it's a real word, roaching around in, instead of retching around, I believe. Okay. Um, but she's tossing about in her sleep. And all of a sudden, Edward is there in the room. And she wakes up and sees him. She's like, oh my God, ah! And then he's not there. So I wasn't sure if he was um, actually there and like teleported really quickly out. But thankfully, Bella tells us, in a narration, uh, that was the first night that I dreamt of Edward. But, okay, it does tell you the first night, but... Which tells me this is going to happen again. Did she actually see him fall back asleep, wake up again later, and be like, oh, that must have been a dream because her mind can't comprehend how he could disappear so quickly? Because, I mean... That's what I'm curious to find out. Maybe it was a fever dream. Maybe it was actually him, but... Oh, what is that called? crap i can't think of the term now paralysis it's demon? where say so what paralysis demon? oh no no no, no no it's not sleep paralysis i'm thinking of it's where it's where our mind writes things off because we're like oh it could not have been that oh i know what you're talking about but it's where you gaslight yourself basically yeah i was i was literally about to say self-gaslighting i don't i know what you're talking about but i can't think of the actual term because for because you say oh no i'm crazy there's no way it could have been that because xyz but at the same time it's like well, he did stop a van barehanded, so maybe he could have, you know, blinked out of my room when I saw him, you know, staring at me in my sleep. Well, and he came across the parking lot at breakneck speed, so we know right. that he has right. 
quick abilities. I, again, yeah. you are asking the questions that I am asking myself with this coming through here. Well, it's let's a lot. It out. Four minutes at a time. You couldn't have pitched that better myself. I'm excited to be going through these next few weeks and going four minutes at a time because there's going to be so many revelations in here and I am ready for some more Bopa just because I want to figure it out. I, I I can figure out the appeal of Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. But I already liked Kristen Stewart going into this. I believe the only film of Bopas that I've seen was the Harry Potter film he was in, Goblet of Fire. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Or if he was in anything else, it was not a big enough thing to have an impact that I have clearly remembered it. Didn't you see the Batman? No, I haven't. I've been waiting to see the oh, Batman. No, I just listened to the podcast to kind of absorb it at first. Because oh. I, I thought, oh, it'd be better if I learn about the film this way than reading the Wikipedia page. And now I am going to watch it, but I'm going to be contrasting that with uh, the Batman 1996 Adam West film and doing that for a different project. What? Yes. Wait, wait, you said 96 Adam 1966, West. 1966, sorry. 66. Oh. 96 okay. would be, yeah. That'd be a really interesting Batman <laughs> film. They were like, you know, just before Batman Forever, they were like, you know, maybe we should reboot this with Adam West and see how it does. And they're like, no, 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 no. This doesn't work. Get us get us Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer and Tommy Lee Jones together again at last. Adam, thank you so much for coming on to Twagest and for being my sounding board. It's my pleasure. It felt so good just to dump all of what I have been sitting with this week into a vessel to just take it for what it is and that's just where I'm at right now. I am taking this film for what it is, and I am uh, thankfully enjoying the experience, even if I'm not enjoying the film as a film. I am enjoying this slow burn revelation, as well as just asking myself, how did this become a successful major motion picture? I am still... How did this get made? At different show. We're Again, we're not... It's not that type of show. It might turn into that no, type of show, no, but it's not that no, type not of show. This isn't. This we're not asking how, we're asking why, and we're not asking did this get made. We're asking Bopa. Bopa unto you. Why Bopa? You know what this is reminding me of? What? This is almost, and I know we're only twenty-eight minutes in, but this is like a one-to-one of um, Love's Labor's Lost, except without the king and his his four friends. And it has vampires. Oh, God. I'm going to have to dig out my Shakespeare encyclopedia again to remind myself of everything that goes through <laughs> it. And I had just given myself the easy analogy of Romeo and Juliet earlier. Oh, it all comes back to Shakespeare. Two households, both alike in dignity and fair forks, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, or that line, again, Adam, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a pleasure. Happy to be here.